Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio tonight for this episode of Free Talk Live, it's me, Bonnie. Jay Noon. And Mark Edge. We have a caller who I scheduled to call in because he has a very interesting presentation. His name is Bear Arms. Bear, are you with us? I'm with you. Can you hear me? Yeah. What was it you wanted to tell people about today? I, I did go to your presentation. It's very interesting when you did it like live and keen. What what was it about? Yes. Well, um, I've been promoting this idea of uh, lawful tax avoidance, and uh, recently I put together a, a small book. It's about twenty six pages plus three pages of reference um, on the tax on federal income, which is what we're supposed to pay later on this year or many of us, um, in April. So I thought I'd get that document out there for your audience to um, look at, read, and uh, ponder while they decide what to do um, with their financial futures and so forth. Well, I am working on getting logged into the Free Talk Live Twitter, and it's just at freetalklive.com, and then I'm going to post it in there so people can check it out. But what is it? What is the... tax on federal income mean to you, Bear? Well, uh, we've been taught since birth that there's two things that we can't avoid. One is, one is death and the other is taxes. Well, it turns out um, the second part of that statement is not exactly true. In fact, um, the whole tax scheme has been um, pulled over us as a deception from probably from, from about around the time of World War One and World War II. Um, but the, the tax on federal income, or commonly known as the federal income tax, was established as an excise tax all the way back in 1863, I believe, uh, to, um, to support the Civil War. And it was, for a time, uh, revoked, and then it, w- it came back later known as the uh, 16th Amendment. So um, in my book, uh, we talk about uh, what the federal income tax is, and it is, in fact, the tax on federal income and is not the federal tax on income, and that is the most important distinction. And then secondly... Well, uh, what is the distinction between federal income and income? Federal income is a species of income derived from a federal privilege. For example... Federal wages are federal income. For example, corporate income is federal income because corporations derive the benefits of trademark protection, uh, perpetual um, existence, and also limited liability protection. So they owe the federal government an excise or a cut of their action. Um, And income in general is defined as a gain made from capital and or labor together. So income is something that you are entitled to. However, um, the way that the word income is used in the tax code, it specifically means federal income. Um, And that's what my book also uh, uh, talks about. Well, I'm going to let you plug the book. No problem there. I just have, uh, well... I guess my biggest concern is is that I have some friends. Have you heard of a man named Larkin Rose? I have. I, I've have you heard of a man work. named Irwin Schiff? Yes, and I and I have studied both of those uh, people, and unfortunately, they didn't get it right. They really didn't. And uh, as much as they well, let me let me the, let me tell the audience who they are. Um, there are a couple of men who have gone to prison with a uh, you know a line of. Uh, you don't have to pay in. You don't have to pay tax because you know the federal government doesn't have it exactly right. They're pulling the wool over your eyes. You know that kind of thing. A shtick sure. that sounds very similar to what you're saying. And I'm not saying that there's that I don't know. I'm not a tax expert, but um, you know I think that it's um, it's worth pointing out that people in the past have tried something similar and it hasn't worked. Hey, uh, Bear, could you? Yeah. Uh, Maybe uh, brief a little bit on uh, e- either Larkin or Erwin or Schiff. I'd like to hear where Larkin went wrong. I kind of understand where Erwin Schiff went wrong. I've uh, studied his thing, too. I wasn't even aware that Larkin Rose uh, had an uh, IRS issue. 
Well, they all go wrong because they forget to actually read the code and understand the code based on the words of control, the controlling words of the code. And this is something that took me a while to figure out. Bear, and I also know that you were there at Ian's trial, and we had uh, long conversations and, and talked, and you saw him get found guilty of four charges of tax evasion. Yeah, and but, in that case, I mean, in that case, they just had to convince some dumb jury people to say a thing. They didn't have to prove something. It's not like they had well, to actually prove something and it be confirmed that it was legal for him to go to jail. They just have to convince a bunch of, re- I mean, it, people. How much time do I have to spend in jail to prove Bear's uh, theories correct? So, so let me let me because you're um, because you're talking about Ian and his yep. trial and especially his charges of uh, I believe well, it was failure to. What file. I would like to, the point I would like the point I'm file, trying yeah. to make about Ian's trial is is that don't expect anything that remotely looks like a fair trial or for a jury of twelve your peer ignoramuses to find you guilty or not guilty simply because there wasn't evidence or whatever. And also he had, he had a lawyer and all the people I've known that have been convicted, they've all had lawyers. Hmm. I mean, yes. it's really the bottom line. Uh, right. <laughs> e- I've seen even, people who don't have lawyers get convicted too, but sure. Yeah. But I can I I can tell you I know of uh, some personal family members. Three of them, they are all charged with the same exact federal crime. My father, my uncle. I'm sorry, my father and my grandmother. Two family members, and, and another guy who actually wasn't a family member charged with the same exact crime, uh, aiding and abetting a felony flee prosecution. My dad did not have a ha, did not have a lawyer. He he defended himself. My grandmother and the other guy they had lawyers. The, the the people my grandmother and the other guy got convicted. My my father did not get convicted. He wanted his jury trial, and because lawyers are are, are by definition like they're definitely incompetent uh, when it comes to defending your rights. In fact, they can't defend your rights. All they can do is represent a fiction, represent a fiction. So uh, and then my dad actually wrote the appeals for the other guy and my grandmother. Um, and, uh, you know, within about 90 days, they were both out of jail. Uh, you know, yeah. the appeals were overturned. So anyways, go ahead. Here's one thing that, that um, people don't realize is that lawyers are good at factual manipulation and manipulation of words. However, one thing they can't challenge of the court is jurisdiction. And the fact that uh, there is a failure to file uh, charge before that that even Ian was convicted on. There's a couple things you have to know about that charge. That charge did not have jurisdiction, um, and that's one. And number two, unfortunately, Ian's lawyer did not fight that charge um, at all, and so he would have been found guilty of that with 99% probability anyway. Because by the time you step into a charge like that, having failed to uh, uh, challenge jurisdiction properly, I would say, um, the chance of being found guilty is, is extremely high. And because lawyers can't challenge jurisdiction, that pretty much means that he couldn't win that on, on that on those charges. Now, let me just describe what that would mean to uh, challenge jurisdiction in the case of failure to file, um, because your, your listeners may want to know this. Now, the United States Tax Court uh, if you go to their website, it says in Section 7441 of Title 26 of the United States Internal Revenue Code, it is hereby established under Article 1 of the Constitution of the United States, a court of record known as the tax court. Now, what I just told you is that being established under Article 1 of the United States Constitution means that it is a legislative forum over which Congress can make all needful rules and regulations respecting the presumptive property, whether or not it's real or fiction, that's that you're alleged to have. Okay, there's the jurisdiction part. It's presumptive, it's alleged, and it's not even real. Okay, and then the other part is that um, if regard that is regarding the property, property doesn't only mean um, things. It doesn't mean a brick of gold or a bar of silver or, or Federal Reserve notes, it also means rights. So, for example, if you have a corporation, you have exercised a property right belonging to the United States, and therefore the corporation is subject to the, to the tax on that, on, that exi- on that excisable privilege. 
Mark asked you, why do they write it this convoluted way where they don't really have the authority to take taxes for you, but they do because people don't question it? Why do they do it this way instead of just saying, we have the right to, well, the Constitution talks about men, well, we have the right to tax all men of all of their actual belongings. Like, why don't they just do it that way? Wouldn't it be easier for them? And people would accept it. I mean, the average person, I say, would. Right. They already accept it. I mean, the, the no. income tax is 99% accepted. I would, I, would, I would beg to differ, first of all. Uh, the income tax is not accepted by 99% of people. In fact, a lot of people I know uh, don't, pay, don't pay any in- income tax. They actively avoid, actively and lawfully avoid the income tax. I've never participated um, in that particular scheme. I said 99%. And, um, well, you know, the reason I hang out with you guys is because you are definitely not part of the 99%. <laughs> well, you, you got it. So then we're definitely not paying that in- income tax. But I'll tell you what. Uh, and I will I say this. Paid. I have looked into the income tax, and it's probably around 50%, 5-0% of Americans yep. pay income tax. Now, mm-hmm. many Americans are below the age of working age. Many are above the age, uh, working age. And many are married, so it's really hard to tell exactly how many. But somewhere around, you know, say 45 to 65 percent is from what I can tell is paying income tax. We're, we're trying to make that number a little smaller because I believe that the income tax, the real reason for the income tax is to shrink government and not to expand it. Because if we define the, um, the define it as the tax on federal income, and if it were pro- popularly known as that, then the government would have to pay about twenty five percent more for the same labor they purchase from the labor market, thereby shrinking it. It also is a is a advantage for corporations uh, to pay for labor and not for uh, service, which is a big difference, by the way. Um, by paying for labor, they get to expand their company and use it as a tax de- deduction, whereas if they say they're paying for service, then they're saying they're paying for government service, and they're, thereby they are bearing false witness against their hardworking laborers, and um, that's actually not not lawful at all because bearing false witness, as you know, is, is against one of the Ten Commandments. Um, now, before the break, you had asked me a question. Do people who own the corporations as well as their employees, uh, are they required to pay the federal income tax or the tax on federal income? Now, that's when that's when uh, we have to go into this concept of um, of um, uh, of of a logical fallacy, something called a syntactic ambiguity. In other words where language may be interpreted in more than one way due to the ambiguous sentence structure or the definitions that are used. In law, that's called equivocation. It's called an equivocation fallacy. And what you proposed was a question using that fallacy, even though you may not know it yourself. And it comes in the form of uh, asking about the word employee. Now, if you look at the word employee, it's, it's commonly thrown around. But legally, legally, it's defined at 3401 of Title 26. And an employee means a government employee, an office or an officer of a corporation. So think about that. An I'm, I'm thinking about how many times the um, the accountant has told me that I have employees um, and they're, that they're they weren't working for the government. Accountants are like lawyers. They're they're super incompetent. All these people who have these, you know, government paperworks and college certificates, I just find the more uh, letters that they have after their names and the more, you know, certificates of achievement they get from institutions, the more incompetent they are. Um, uh, well, yeah. look, th- this is so one thing. Um, like, there's this group of people that y- you, Bear, uh, Jay, Bear, perhaps Bonnie. Um, there's this group of people that, that knows the truth or at least has some inkling of what the truth is about the tax code. Let me ask you, how many people on the other side, how many people within the United States government or even, um, you know, people who aren't in the United States government know the truth about the tax code and perpetuate the lie? Because I have never met one. That doesn't mean that it's not true and it doesn't mean they weren't lying. I'm just wondering... Is it a small 
tiny, tiny little cabal of most of the federal government employees um, who are paying income tax tricked into this. Um, I mean, so, just. Yeah. So let me explain that. And, and I wrote that on page 26 and I answered that exact question. And, and it comes from an Upton Sinclair quote. And it says, and he said, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on not understanding it. So all those tax lawyers and CPAs out there, the reason they exist is because they're, they're quote unquote, protecting you from the, the greater evils of taxation. And if that, if that taxation, the evil of taxation were gone, or if it were properly applied, then they wouldn't have a job. Okay, it, it, it's that simple. They don't want you to know the truth, even if they do want to do do uh, know the truth. I'll give you, and an I'll example. accept that, Bear. I think that's reasonable uh, to accept it because I, my uncle, who's a CPA, is yeah. likely not lying to me about what his beliefs are surrounding yeah. the tax code. But my question is, how many of them know? How say, many of them out say, there, when I file this paperwork that says, give me my money back for all those years of taxation and all that money you got from me to drop million dollar bombs on $10 tents on people around the world, give me that money back. How many well, of them well, are going to know to give me I my money say, back? Again, I would say it depends on their intelligence and it depends on their experience. So if you go to the PDF that I wrote um, under FAC, that's a uh, frequently asked questions. Um, there's a p part uh, on number five on page 22. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about the, the guy named Lazy Larry. Lazy Larry works for a bear false witness. He blindly copied someone else's example for his tax return, but didn't study the law for himself. And although the initially the government gave him his money back, a few la years later, the IRS threatened him with a $5,000 frivolous returns penalty. And after months of arguing, the IRS rejected all of Lazy Larry's assertions and summoned him to tax court, where he eventually lost and was forced to pay tens of thousands of dollars. Where did Larry, Lazy Larry go wrong? That's a very important question, right? Because that's a question that addresses what, what most people fear. Now, let me, let me, let me read what, what Larry did uh, right. La Lazy Larry rightly asserted that he was not a taxpayer. He was not an employee, and he did not receive wages from an employer. What he forgot is that he who asserts bears the burden of proof and that he cannot prove those assertions to the negative. In other words, he can't prove I'm not a, a taxpayer or that I am not an employee or so, and, and, and so forth. And further, it was not the IRS who imposed the, the liability. It was actually bear false witness. The person Larry labored for. It was bare false witness who ignored the law and falsely claimed that he paid Lazy Larry remuneration for services when, as a private person, he was not, in fact, an employer and did not hire actual government employees, nor was he a recipient of government services. Thus, bare false witness. Now, bear I mean, is the IRS knows whether I'm the government or not, if I as, an, I as an employer am the government or not. And them taking my word for it, um, you know, the, them tossing out a bunch of uh, terms and then taking my word for it that I'm the government sounds absolutely ridiculous. Well, that's what they depend on you to believe, because when you believe that things are ridiculous and it can't be that bad or that, that simple or that way, then you've just uh, allowed them to um, assert the presumption that are that those are which are false. So well, my, are, these, my presumption, to be clear, my presumption is this, that the people in government are parasites and that the parasites have convinced themselves that they deserve whatever amount of money that they can get because people have been paying them all along. And that they are that that they have written laws that give them the quote unquote right to be able to do so. That's what my assumption is. My assumption is, well, is that assumption I is, is, is unfortunately it's not right, because what, what you're assuming is that you are um, less powerful than you actually are. Now, remember, 
Our government. But you're talking about the powers given to me by the government that the government is then trying to take away from me, Bear. I mean, like there's no, this the sort of greater government that sits above the government or something. Well, hold on. The government never gave you any powers. You gave the government powers. No, and I you didn't. Consented. <laughs> you consented. Oh, no, you did. You did. You know why you did? Because who makes the laws, my friend? Isn't it your representatives who wrote up the laws and, and put them into papers? I've written, I've voted for very few of these people, but go ahead. All all right. But, but the point is, the point is all powers, all just powers of government come from the consent of the governed, at least in theory. And at least in theory, you are the one that wrote the tax law. You and every American out there delegated his or her authority to write the tax code. So what is the government supposed to think? I can tell you this. The government assumes that you know that what, what you wrote. And how it applies, and what it's so supposed to do. Well, After I think all, that the government the does think that, Bear. That's what those twelve people thought. Those twelve people thought that Ian was a bad man that had evaded his taxes, and they sent him to prison. I, I was at your as at, at Ian. I know you were. Yep. Same, same you as coming. you. You were. Um, and what I, what my observation was, it was that his attorney did not fight jurisdiction. His attorney left out a lot of presumptions unchallenged. And you know what an unchallenged presumption becomes? It becomes true under the law. Sure. sure. And the fact that he didn't presu- he didn't challenge those presumptions uh, was is a is a legal error. And and again, he's not a lawyer. I keep telling you this, he is an attorney. An attorney is not necessarily a lawyer. A lawyer is not an attorney. A lawyer is one who knows the law. An attorney is one who delegates your agency uh, for representation purposes. Peter, just go ahead and ask your question and we'll get Bear back. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Sorry about any inconvenience that uh, I may have caused That's with dropping the totally uh, on me. Guest. Just, just um, maybe, maybe not so much a question on on Bear, but but more so just some personal feedback from just listening to. Um, yeah, to him for the past like 50 minutes or so. Um, and, you know, I, I just want to preface by saying I'm very sympathetic with, with his, with his premise. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny how uh, every month, if you get a, a salary every month or every two weeks, you, uh, you know, you see your, your paycheck and, and you see how, how much goes to the feds. And then the feds have guts to say every year coming up here shortly, right. That, uh, Hey, you made X amount of money. Uh, you know, forget about, the fact that we took some money out of that, right? Your paycheck every month or every two weeks throughout the year. Just forget about it. You made X amount, pay us a lump sum, and that's your income tax if you have to pay. Which you know, I it's, it's pretty. No, it's nonsense. I you know, it's it's living in some sort of uh, despotic system. That's that's my view. But um, unfortunately, I am also familiar with people like Erwin Schiff. Um, I, I do, I'm a fan of his of his son's work, uh, but um, just just my my own two cents here. Um, so I, I I'm not an accountant or anything. I studied econ in school um, in George Mason, which is probably the only place you can get free market slash Austrian uh, stuff in in the U.S. Uh, that I'm aware of. But even people like like uh, Walter Williams, one of my professors before he passed away, he, you know he would he would tell us he would lecture us about the un, you know un, unconstitutionality of the income tax, and he would you know he would always preface by saying, "Look, you know this is just um, me giving you the history of the income tax. It's not me telling you don't pay it, right?" And if you listen to uh, other scholars that actually study this, uh, person that comes to mind is uh, Tom DiLorenzo uh, at Mises uh, Institute. He's done years of, of work uh, around this this topic, the, the progressive era, you know, the, the income tax, and and he, he always does that that preface, right? That uh, he's not suggesting the audience not pay the income tax, rather he's just explaining how it came about and how uh, how how pretty you know uh, retarded the whole the whole thing is. <laughs> but um, my, my my recommendation to your audience, which was I think. Um, which was elaborated by one of the, uh, the hosts here was um, don't don't take the chance, right? Don't don't take the chance and uh, and and not pay the income tax because I, I guarantee you the cost of doing so 
outweighs the cost of giving up a portion of your income. Right. What are the costs of not doing so? So when you, you you're weighing this out, um, you know, and I exactly. I tend to agree with you. I would rather pay twenty thousand dollars the United States government than to spend um, you know a year in prison. As a matter of fact, I I go so far as to double that number. I might even triple that number, um, depending on you know what the the circumstances. It's it's the sodomy that bothers me the most. Um, but in prison. Sure. Oh, okay. I'm told that that's what happens. Well, didn't you spend yeah. some time there already? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no sodomy that time. Um, so let's let's get um let me, let me just kind of condense this to a question for or gotcha. at least a comment for our um host or not host but um caller bear. So basically, you're you're saying you may agree with him, well, but um yeah. you would wouldn't want people to to risk it, correct? Yeah, it, exactly. I guess like a, a good question. I guess if, if that's uh, that's what need, is, is needed is you know, what what incentives to uh, to regular people have, hmm. right? Let's not assume the the audience of the show. I, my, my assumption is the audience here is a lot smarter than you know my next door neighbor uh, hmm. who may be who may be a moron, right? So what what incentive does this moron have? Okay, so. Bear arm, uh, sorry, I hung up on you. I didn't mean to do that. But bear arms, did you hear the question? I believe, I believe we're trying to establish a risk reward benefit sort of thing. Is that is that basically what we're you're asking about? Yeah, and he said basically, okay. what is like the average person's incentive to do this right. versus what okay. could happen to them? Well, I'll tell you what it is. The average person works about forty years and pays if if they pay federal income tax anywhere from. 20 to maybe 30 percent on average. So if you're t- if you're paying like 25 percent of your labor uh, into the federal income tax and you work 40 years, then by definition, you're enslaved for 10. We have Alu on the line. Alu, what's on your mind in New Hampshire? Hi, how's it going? Just remove my Bluetooth. Um, there's a bill among all the other bills related to secession. There's another bill tomorrow being heard in the Criminal Justice Committee in the New Hampshire House of Representatives, proposed by our friend we all love, Matt Santanastasso, and it would essentially repeal the red flag law. Um, contrary to popular opinion, nobody knows that New Hampshire actually has some pretty bad red flag gun confiscation. No, we're not the most statist state, but all states besides Kansas. So like 49 states seem to have it, and it's called restraining orders. So in the restraining order statute is a de facto red flag law where there's ex parte, zero due process gun confiscation. So this would kind of reform that and add some due process into that. So that hearing is tomorrow at 930 in the state house, but also you can put in your testimony with either just supporting the bill or you could write whatever blurb you want online at the state house website. Um, so currently the anti-gun people, the pro-red flag law, gun confiscation people are outnumbering those who support the bill by like 100 to 3. So I encourage anyone who supports due process or Second Amendment rights or anything like that or liberty or fairness to go and put in their testimony and or go to the state house tomorrow. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for so much for reminding us of that. I'm going to it. I'm going to the 9:30 a.m. secession bill one too, and I'm just going to hop in there. I'll have my little brother with me, actually helping to man the camera, so that's good. And um, I'll be able to hop into the other one because it's a really important bill um, for anyone who doesn't understand what all means by the red flag laws, the restraining order, um, gun rights taking away situation it's really bad it's like new hampshire has pretty good gun laws like maybe the best in the country if not the best i think the best are tied for best and um we still have it to where if somebody's girlfriend is mad at them and accuses them of hitting her or something stupid like that well you'll just get your guns taken away without any due process the cops will come to your house and say well your girlfriend has accused you of hitting you you got it you would just wait for your day in court to get your guns back. We're taking all guns in your house. It's what the judge said. It's crazy. Yep. that's So that's really, really bad. Um, so come out and support that. 
and um, a lot of other bills. And you could just follow libertyblock.com because we, we write about all these bills. Um, there are a lot of other similar bills in the Criminal Justice Committee and other good bills, some very good ones, some bad ones. Matt Santanastasso and Jason Gerhard proposed a bunch of really good ones. Um, so I'll be supporting all those. But hopefully tomorrow we'll all be at the State House uh, testifying on a whole bunch of good bills. Now, I got a letter from Mr. Ian Freeman today, and oh. it informed me that this year we could be a little more optimistic about the succession bills, not only because of the um, uh, BLC ruling that you can't kick them out of the House for supporting independence, but also because two of the people on the uh, State Federal Relations Committee that's going to hear this bill, I think, are Tom Mannion and Brandon Finney, two pro-liberty people who I would think are pro-independence. So if two out of 20 are supportive, um, whereas last time, um, none of them really supported it, even though a few of them told me personally they would. Yeah. Two two of them told me personally. Um, What's her name? The uh, the lady who... I can't remember. I know her face, but I can't remember her name. Well, her husband was the, what's it called, guy? The thing in Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. So there's a state rep whose husband went to prison for five years because he was standing with Eamon Bunny, Bundy, right? Wasn't it, Alu? Yep, yep. So so her, her um, she was cool. We spoke for a while after the hearing. She was supportive. So she and I think uh, Bill Marsh or Bill, Bill something, um, I forget the last name, but one of the other guys in the committee told me he would support it. Um, so at least two of them told me they would vote yes, and they all voted no. But this time we have like Brandon Finney and Tom Mannion, two people who are pretty tough with backbones who support liberty. So hopefully they would receive us a little better. Um, and and I, I think it will be a lot better this time. So hopefully we'll all flood the place tomorrow for the independence bills. And we really don't want there to be a smaller turnout than last time because there's more support for it this time. And I feel like the free staters are really the only ones who are going to stand up and support this bill. And even though a lot of natives really like support independence, Ian and I have went around the state interviewing people we've had hundreds of just regular republicans tell us oh yeah i totally support that and here's my reasons a lot of time it has to do with like oh something something that you know maybe they have different reasons than ian and i but there's tons of support for secession and we want them there to be a large turnout again um to show that to these people who are going to be voting on whether or not to recommend it to the house when the house votes on it and I'm still well, waiting for. Hold on, is the hold on, on is it. is the House voting on secession, or are they voting on a thing that goes on the ballot to allow people to vote on secession? It's the, yeah, it's a the Yep, it's gonna it's going to give. So they would be voting to recommend to the House to allow the people to vote on an amendment to the Constitution that would say we, the people of New Hampshire, secede from the Union if the federal government hits $40 trillion of debt. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. If anybody wants to check out, like, for example, there's a notice on my website right now at the top of the page. Uh, that's uh, jnoon.com. If you want to go check out that notice, it is a notice to investigate DCYF. And this is an example of one of these notices that you can fill out. It's a jot form link and you can, uh, you know, send it. I mean, uh, uh, the committee to investigate the health and human services committee has gotten hundreds of these notices already. And there is going to be a committee to investigate DCYF happening uh, very soon. Well, within the next com- couple months, we have a few se- uh, organization sessions that we got to uh, attend first. Um, but yeah, uh, things are happening. Uh, there is a good remedy out there. And, you know, Alu, I want to thank you for your um, uh, your efforts in this. You've been, uh, you know, very consistent on writing about this, telling people about this. And uh, thank you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was... Uh, Alu that helped that with the idea for the red flag law or, um, you know, amendment, I mean, not amendment bill, bill. There we go. 
not the red yeah, flag yeah. bill, but the no, anti-red flag bill. bill. There we go. Yeah, interestingly, just a heads up, because a lot of the people who who opposed it on their remote testimony online said that they don't support it because OLS, as written, they messed it up big time. And it repeals the part, um, the part of the law that says if you violate a protective order, cops can take your guns. And that makes sense to a lot more people, whereas what Matt intended to do, and he's going to fix with the amendment tomorrow, hopefully, mm-hmm. is repeal the part that initially um, authorizes police to take your guns by bad flag law kind of confiscation when the order is initially approved by a judge. Okay. Interesting. Bringing it up, I think it's uh, worth pointing it out that um, if you have been convicted of a felony, New Hampshire is actually one of the worst states in the union for you possessing a weapon. Um, I have a felony conviction and I've looked into this uh, quite a bit and they have at least at one point, and I don't know if this has been recently changed, but they, it was illegal for me to carry a Billy's, which is a stick, a Dirk, which is an ice pick and, um, you know, all kinds that I've seen people get, uh, convicted for simply having knives. And this is, you know, I mean, it, it makes it a difficult sell to say that the you know, New Hampshire has the greatest gun laws, except if you've ever run afoul of the government. So uh, 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 a hay hook looks just like an ice pick. I wonder, yeah. Mark, is that why I never got you to stack hay with me? Because you couldn't, couldn't handle <laughs> Seems like a lot hook? of work. <laughs> no, I, I have picked up ice picks in the state of New Hampshire. I'm willing to admit it here on the air. I think Jason Gerhardt has a bill, I believe, this session to improve the ability of um, convicted persons after they serve their time in incarceration and a sentence to get all their civil rights back, including firearms rights. I hope that that's the case. Um, I'd love to hear more about it. It was uh, because I went in front of, you know, the criminal justice committee and uh, spoke to these folks and, you know, they, I, it passed, but then in the dark of night, it somehow got, um, you know, failed somehow. I don't, don't, I don't know what happened, but it went from, sure, this is a good idea to gone. House Bill 144, and it was already killed by the House on the 4th. Damn it. What was that one for? Sorry. Well, because Mark Edge didn't testify in time, Jason's bill was killed. uh, I don't live, I don't live in the state of New Hampshire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize, wow, the House already voted on it. ITL 297 to 63. You can actually now submit online testimony, and I noticed that you can put your address in, and they have options for outside of New Hampshire, so maybe they won't take your, uh, what you say, as seriously, but you could still put your online submission in from, you know, another state. Okay. Well, I went in and testified in front of the Criminal Justice Committee. Uh, I took the time off of work and went and did it. So there's actually another bill I'd like to bring up. Uh, this Tomorrow? is uh, nope. This oh. bill is on January 18th at 10 a.m. the The committee will be. Anyways, this is House Bill one zero one twelve. So ten twelve, exempting from criminal penalties certain parenting decisions intended to encourage a child's independence and freedom. Uh, it's having its hearing before the House Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee on Thursday, January 18th at 10 a.m. Anyone wishes to testify may do so by appearing at the hearing legislative office building at 33 North State Street in Concord. The hearing will be held in room 202-204. So they basically open up the room to, you know, two rooms into one. And you can, uh, you know, send te- uh, text to the bill. can be read here. There's a, a website uh, I got. But um, this is basically the bill to amend the, the uh, uh, child uh, in, in endangering the welfare of a child. Uh, would uh, to be charged with that criminally charged with that particular statute uh, would require that the child have actually been injured, and mm-hmm. it also applies some definitions to the like terms, uh, or or it strikes the words that aren't defined uh, in this bill. I believe I might be a little wrong. Endangered, on that. I think was well. We one. we used to jump uh, our bikes over this ditch when I was a kid, and it was a it's a big ditch. And we'd build these ramps, elaborate ramps. And if the uh, if the jump didn't kill you, the landing would. Right? It was, um, you know, it was, it was dangerous. And we did it all the time. It was like what I looked forward to after school, uh, during and you know when the light would when it was still light out at night. And I'm just wondering: Is my mother a child abuser 
for having let me do such a thing because I never had to go to the hospital, but there were boys there who did. And, um, you know, I certainly got injured because, you know, that's how it was. Um, would this, how would that work with this law? Well, uh, from what I understand, uh, they wouldn't be able to charge you criminally. The thing is, is they're charging parents, uh, caretakers, uncles, grandparents all over the country with this particular legislation, not only in New Hampshire, it's happening in New Hampshire too, for things like, you know, um, well, in some places they, they've charged, uh, uh, the, uh, people, uh, parents for, you know, telling their kid, not, not forcing their kids to mask, um, New York State, I believe. In New York State, they've actually gone after a whole bunch of Amish over allowing kids to do farm chores. In Pennsylvania, they've gone after Amish for allowing kids to do farm chores. Uh, and, you know, what it, what it does is it basically, um, the, the, in, in, in this uh, endangering the welfare of a child bill, there's a, a term called, um, oh, I forget the term off the top of my head. But anyways, the uh, <clears throat> it, it would just... There would be no criminal action. Right now, there's basically criminal action for under this statute for something that could hypothetically happen. And what's what's happening with this bill is it's being used all over the country uh, as just another weaponized statute to go after political opponents. Mark, you brought in a story about our very own co-host and my husband, Ian Freeman, and his restitution hearing being canceled. Now, we don't have any extra information about this, and there are going to be a lot of questions left unanswered for the listeners, unfortunately, but this um, incompetent person did write an article about it and with a bunch of errors <laughs> in it. And um, you have the article for us, Mark. Well, you point out the errors as I go, because um, I feel like Damian Fisher's tried to be as fair on this as he uh, as he could be throughout the, uh, I guess, a couple of years that he's been covering it. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think everything's entirely accurate. Right. Then again, I've had a lot of stories written about me, and none of them have been entirely accurate. Hmm. After selling Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, I should uh, give the website nhjournal.com. This is written by Damian Fisher. Freeman makes deal with feds on crypto scam restitution. Now, I think it's true, although Ian committed no scams, to my mind. Um, it is true that the jury found him guilty of it. Well, no, they didn't. They found him guilty of money laundering, Yep, running an unlicensed money transmitting business, but not scamming these people and not being a part of a scam. That would be different. It'd be like fraud or something. I think that the money laundering was given um, that he got that charge for being sort of what, you know, the jury perceived as him setting up a system that allowed the scammers that, you know, willingly participated with the scammers and allowed the scammers to do what they wanted, I think is what they, the impression they got. Now, is it true? No, I was there every step of the way and it simply wasn't true. After selling Bitcoin to dozens of elderly victims on, of online romance scams, Freekeen's Ian Freeman agreed to a restitution deal with fe federal prosecutors. And... I would like to say that I was there when Ian would ask questions of these elderly victims and they would tell him lies, you know, like they would try very hard to get past whatever screening he had. One might even and, say they scammed him. <laughs> right. Well, they certainly told him something was inaccurate and then, you know, lied some more on the, uh, the stand, but whatever. Mm -hmm. A hearing set for Monday in the U.S. District Court in Concord was canceled at the last minute as Freeman's legal team and federal prosecutors came to terms. Mark Sisti, Freeman's lawyer, declined to comment on the deal. Now, I really wish I knew what this uh, was all about because I don't uh, know the specifics of it. But I'm very curious because, you know, Ian's been sentenced to eight years. He has uh, two years probation and was fined. Was it $45,000, Bonnie? The fine, I don't remember. Maybe that sounds about right. It definitely wasn't 100000 It was less than 100000 for the yeah, fine. It was like 40 or 50, somewhere in that range. Cannot discuss at this time, Sisti said. Judge Joseph LaPlante was considering an order that Freeman pay back millions to the 
scam victims who bought Bitcoin from Freeman and his cryptocurrency exchanges as part of the romance scams. Evidence about Freeman's role in the scams was expected to be part of Monday's hearing. And I couldn't help but um, yesterday when I was walking through a supermarket and I saw that big kiosk full of, uh, you know, the, the little cards where you can put money, load the credit cards and that sort of thing, the gift cards. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but think about how those are used in scams all the time. You mm-hmm. know, people go and buy a bunch of cards and, you know, the cashier may or may not say, hey, are you getting scammed here? Because they care, you know. And Ian cared too. He'd ask questions. And if the person tells a lie, the cashier isn't held responsible. Right. If the person comes back time after time after time buying these gift cards, the cashier's not going to be held responsible. But Ian was. I, and, I bought a, a like uh, twelve hundred dollars worth of Amazon cards. I don't know six or seven months ago from a yeah. um, a local grocery store. I'm sorry, a Dollar Tree, and the cashier goes, oh, I've never seen this before. And when it brought up on a cash register, it said it gave her a thing to read off to me. Uh, and and, and, it, and there was one of the questions was, are you going to give these cards to somebody or are you using them for an Amazon purchase? And I said, well, I'm buying some stuff on Amazon with them. Okay. And I have to inform you that you sh- that do not give these cards to anybody or give these codes to anybody because uh, these car- these cards can be used uh, by scammers. And basically, she said that um, she's never saw this before, but it pops up if you buy over a thousand dollars worth of Amazon cards, uh, according to the you know the manager at the store. So that's um, her doing it, not even mm-hmm. on her own volition. And then, if you had been instructed by your actual scammer to, if the lady at the Dollar Tree cash register asks you if it's for yourself or for someone else, tell her it's for yourself. Then you would have been like, uh, yeah, it's for me. I'm going to buy something on Amazon. Right. And then she would be like, okay, sell you them and not ever face any charges of, what is it, willful, willful ignorance. Oh, she should have known Jay was getting scammed. Vare, an elderly widow, was ripped off by an online romance scammer known as Michael Glenn Wilson. The crook. And by the way, this person used that same name with another uh, of the two women that testified during the sentencing. The Wilson, what was his name? Michael Glenn Wilson. Oh. The crook who has so far never been charged because they never catch these people used Freeman's Bitcoin exchanges to facilitate the crimes. And mind you, he used other Bitcoin exchanges and all kinds of other stuff too. But this is the only, but because this FBI agent had a vendetta against Ian Freeman, they brought Ian up on our charges. Mm-hmm. In Vare's case, she emptied her savings account, cashed in her insurance policy, took out loans, and even sold her dead husband's truck. But she came to the hearing dressed like um, the Queen of England with a huge brooch with a bunch of jewels on it. And she complained, I won't even be able to get my tractor painted this year. And the other lady that came in on Zoom to testify was in a beautiful kitchen. So it's like these people aren't broke. Like, it sucks that they lost what they probably owed to their children in five months, but it also didn't really ruin their lives. It sucks um, that they were ripped off, but lying about Ian wasn't like they should have been assiduously honest about what occurred. Right. Like, I get it. Ian was, you know, to their mind, part of all of this, but he isn't the one who did it. And they told him lies in order to get through his process. This Vare woman specifically said he may have asked me one question, which, you know, like I was there, not Mm -hmm. necessarily when he was talking to her, Mm -hmm. but I was there when he was talking to people and he asked him a series of questions. Now, I sincerely wish that Mark Sisti, Ian's uh, attorney, would have asked Ian about those questions because i know ian had a file with those questions and that was never done and i feel like that was a a real problem with the case i feel like there's several problems with the case but you know ian ian got his fair trial in so much as he had an attorney and you know this is kind of what happens incompetent lawyers i mean they they all are so going on here uh in bear's case she emptied her savings account yep um she sent all that money right to freeman she told the plant that's true 
at least some of it. Again and again, Wilson didn't have her send the money to him, but instead instructed her to go to Freeman um, because Wilson was likely a guy in Africa or something and couldn't receive a wire. Probably an FBI, um, you know, confidential informant or, you know, recruiter or whatever. That's why they don't want to... Go with the lady Carlosino's lead on the scammer that was scamming her. She was like, by the way, during the trial, I have this guy's phone number and pictures of him or whatever. I could totally help the FBI find out who the real scammer is, but they are not interested. I don't understand. They're like, okay, okay, enough of that lady. Yeah, Get her off the stand. (laughs) We're getting reports now that the FBI had like, you know, uh, several or a couple hundred of uh, basically um, assets in the crowd, uh, you know, dressed up as playing, tr- you know, Trumpers, essentially, in, in, in the January 6th stuff. You know, the Gretchen Whitmer thing, you know, what was it, 12 out of 17 of the, uh, you know, the the people that were going to, you know, kidnap the governor were, were FBI agents. I mean, this is just classic what these guys do. People need to just realize that anyone can represent themselves as anything in this world and actually be someone else like it's just like it would absolutely blow someone's minds to think no no there aren't fbi agents out there scamming little old ladies or pretending to be little old ladies or are little old ladies and also fbi agents who are entrapping people and then putting them in prison for eight years no that couldn't happen well let me tell you a story there was this um youtuber named nikki tutorials and i was saying she was trans for like five years i was just like she's obviously trans and people were like there's no way she's trans there are pictures of her as like a teenager bonnie and she's like she's wearing girl clothes bonnie then in 2020 i couldn't get enough of sending the video out to people where she came out as trans and she had been trans since first grade or something like that and hid it from the public and in her school and her parents participated in actively hiding it from the public like you never know what you think you know about people you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com